family reunion this morning for some of us. Uh, it's, it's good to see Miss Jen. Not keen. Not keen. Right? Not keen. Right? Uh, and uh, I just went completely blank on your new last name. Oh, Lord, help me. Thank you. Nelson. I was like, I know it's in half. By the way, you know what your husband's email was for years? Your husband's email for years was half Nelson. Oh, my goodness. So, anyways, uh, it's a blessing to have Miss Jen here. For those who don't know her, she was a part of our church for years. And uh, uh, very, very thankful for her and her kids. And um, I just, uh, I'm, I'm thankful also to see the Schleers. Uh, back from Florida, doing the, the snowbird thing. You got your snowboard passport, right, to come back to Colorado? Okay. Um, it's good to have them as well. And uh, uh, not to pick on anybody, but when we started our church, uh, there's a young man toward the back wearing a New York Yankees. Now, look, if you're Puerto Rican, we don't say Yankee. We say Los Yankees, right? And uh, anyways, uh, and uh, when we started church, he was just a, a, I mean, just a little, little guy, Got saved in our church. It's good to see you, Ryan. Glad you're here this morning. Open your Bibles to John chapter 4. We're going to read a couple of verses, jump right into our Bible study, uh, going verse by verse in the Gospel of John. And uh, hey, babe, did that Benadryl work to knock the kid out? I'm just kidding. No, I'm just, all right, we don't do that. We're, that's a joke. That's a joke. We have, it's a joke. It's a joke. John chapter 4. Uh, John, some of you are like, well, you try it. It's good. It actually works, you know. John chapter 4, starting in, uh, Ryan's like, that's what I'm supposed to do with my baby? No, don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) Uh, John 4, starting in verse uh, number 7. There comes the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. We went through all the racial, cultural uh, conflict that would have existed uh, back then between the Jews and the Sumerians and explain all of that uh, at length. But uh, for sake of time, for those that were not here, uh, imagine, uh, you know, I'll put you this way. I think people have this idea that culture conflict or racial conflict is somehow this new thing that popped up in America in the last 200 years. Anytime you get people from different groups and you throw them in the same place, you know why it works right here, right now? Because you have a common authority, the Word of God and Jesus Christ. If it's not for that, we'd be fighting about all kinds of different things. Uh, I'll tell you what, if we started church on Puerto Rican time, we start at 1030. And Joe, you'd have nothing to say about it. Amen. Uh, now, I don't mean church. I mean Sunday school. We start Sunday school at 1030. And Brother Joe would be like, what's going on? We'd be like, we're on time. What's your problem? You know, uh, but... But you understand what I'm saying, that people have this idea that, that cultural conflict is like this new thing that popped up in America. It's always been there. And let me tell you what it's rooted in. It's rooted in pride. It's rooted in the idea that I am better than you because fill in the blank. Uh, the only, I, I will say this, the only uh, ground that anyone has in regards to staking a claim, if you want to do this, in regards to the promises of God onto a nation, it would be Israel. Outside of that, the rest of us are all Gentiles, right? Uh, And and we're going to read a little bit about that in the passage. Look, if you would, at verse uh, number 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God. You know, there's people, I I hope nobody in here, but uh, maybe there is. There are people all over America right now sitting in church who aren't saved, and they hear about salvation, and they hear about salvation, and they hear about salvation, and they hear about salvation. Now, look. 
you are not in a church that wants to retread you, okay? If you don't know what that means, it means that we want to make you think you're not saved when you already are saved, all right, so that we can get another number on the board. That's not how we operate here. However, I will say there are churches all over this country where people are going and hearing the gospel over and over and over, and the gift of God is literally being thrown right in front of them, and they're not grabbing it. And, and listen, the gift of God is literally right in front of this woman, and she doesn't get it, right? And that's where, that's where you're at if you're lost. He says this, if thou knewest the gift of God, all right, uh, 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 who, and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Father, we ask for your blessing on the Sunday school hour. Lord, I pray for the kids downstairs. Lord, help them to, to learn, help them to grow. We want to see them, Lord, continue to mature in their walk with Jesus Christ and those that are not saved yet, Lord, at the right age or when, uh, when, when the Holy Spirit is convicting them and showing them of their need for a Savior, we pray that they would get saved. Uh, Lord, I pray if there's anyone in here today, and maybe not even now, but maybe in the next hour to come, uh, that does not know you as your Savior, that they would come to that saving knowledge today. And Lord, I pray that as a result of, of going verse by verse in John, Lord, your people would be able to draw a little closer to you as a result of it. Lord, be with those that are traveling. We have quite a few traveling out of town right now uh, for the holidays. Lord, keep them safe. Bring them back to us. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And by the way, we've been looking for a church building. Uh, Brother Tim is uh, going to be calling uh, Lutheran churches, and I don't mean this to be disrespectful, but if you've been by a, a lot of Lutheran churches lately, um, they're usually not all that full. And there's a lot of buildings out there that could be available, so pray for that as he does that. Uh, verse number 7, I want to call your attention to verse 7, though, here in our passage. Uh, the, the, the Bible says here, uh, in, in regards to the relationship uh, to Jesus Christ and this woman speaking with her, uh, he says, give me to drink. Now, why does he do that? Why does he ask her that? Now, there's a deeper reason than just he's thirsty, but he uses that as an opportunity uh, to be able to get a message across to this woman. And I think there's a great lesson here, which is this. You can use everyday circumstances to get the message across to someone that needs it. He's asking her for water. Uh, and, and obviously, but when he gets into the, the discussion with her, he's going to talk about living water, which has nothing to do with the water that comes out of that well. And, and so he's using a current, listen to me very carefully, a current need in his own life to present truth to somebody else. How about this? The next time your tire goes flat, the next time your engine goes kaput, the next time the, 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 the poor, I was talking, uh, uh, thinking about the cows. I feel bad for them. You know, the dishwasher went bad, you know, and this exploded and that exploded. Saw a picture of the house. It looks like, you know, a, an X-Files sighting, you know, they got taped up everything. And, and just some days all the appliances go out at once, right? Been there, done that. It's not a lot of fun. But when those things happen, do you realize you can use that as an opportunity to give the gospel to somebody else? The, the tendency humanly is to go, no one knows what I'm going through. No one understands, for Jesus in his day, how thirsty I am. And my disciples didn't even get me water. Here I am by myself. And here comes this one whose life is a mess. If you have the wrong mindset, all you would see, listen to me, are obstacles instead of opportunities. And the whole time he's looking at an opportunity in this woman. Now, speaking of opportunities, I'm going to ask you guys to pray. We just bought a uh, invested some money in a tent with our church logo all over it. And Brother Sean and I talked about it. we're going to set up uh, randomly at different parks around uh, Aurora during the summertime, uh, set it up, put up a banner that says free water, hand out waters and Gatorades and whatever else, and give out gospel tracts. You say, what? Just trying to find opportunity. Just trying to find opportunity. Uh, that's what the Lord did in this passage. But I, I want to point something out that also gets missed sometimes, and that's the humanity of Jesus Christ. 
I think because, go to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, I think because of the mystery of godliness, we tend to focus, and, and maybe because we feel that we have to defend the divinity of Jesus Christ. You see what do you mean by that? The fact that he is actually God. Uh, and, and we do that because a, a lot of groups try to make Jesus... Now listen, if Jesus Christ was just a man, he could not have saved you. He could not have offered a sinless sacrifice to the Father. Uh, let me also point this out, however. If Jesus Christ is only God and not man, that means that he never existed in a physical human body. Uh, there are groups uh, in, in church history, and these things uh, popped up early on, uh, groups called the Gnostics. Now, some of you know about them, some of you don't, uh, but uh, you say, what does that mean? Well, uh, let's throw this on here. You know what a Gnostic is? A knower. So you know what an agnostic is? A non-knower. All right, that's where most Americans are today. Most Americans, they're not so stupid that they think that there's no God. They know there's a God. They just don't want to, they want to pretend like they don't know him. Because if I don't know him, then I have to give account to him. So I'm an agnostic, which kind of keeps me off. The, it keeps me off. Of, it's kind of like Humpty Dumpty. I'm sitting on the ledge. I could fall, right? But so far, I'm okay. I'm in the middle of the road. Why? Because if I, I don't want to get in a fight with you and say I'm an atheist. At the same time, I don't want to admit that the God of the Bible is real. Because if I do that, I'm accountable to the God of the Bible. And let me just say this. It is appointed a man wants to die. But after this judgment, whether you believe it or not, is immaterial. Years ago, Christians put out a bumper sticker. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. You can take a marker right through the I believe it part because it doesn't matter whether you and I believe it or not. God said it. That settles it. All right. Uh, But in regards to this, understand the Gnostics, the knowers, if you will, what they believed is this. uh, Spirit uh, is uh, is good and uh, flesh is bad. Uh, Anything that would manifest in the flesh could not be God. That's how they looked at it. Uh, and so during the early ministry of the apostles, they had to address this, and they had to point out that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. In other words, it wasn't just a matter of him being God, but also that he was fully man. Uh, you say, well, how do you explain that? I don't. I believe it. I believe it. You say, why? Because God said it. I, I, some, of you are, some people are so smart that they're not. Like, if you believe it and explain it, explain to me how the lights come on. Oh, it's electricity. Can you explain electricity? Do you understand how the currents flow? Can you explain? You know, you know what you understand? I flipped a switch and it came on. That's what you understand. All right? So don't get all... It's funny how people get with God. They get real nitpicky about the Bible and everyday life. Like, you hit a button and some dude brought exactly what you wanted to your house for dinner. You didn't think twice about all the logistics involved. You hit a button. You flip a switch and the lights come on. And then when it comes to the Bible, you better explain it to me right now. I'm not going to explain. I'm going to tell you that there's some things I cannot explain, but I believe them by faith just like you do. You believe by faith when you sit down, that chair's going to hold you up. There's a chance, maybe it's a one in a million, there's a chance when you sit down that the chair just crumbles apart and you destroy that chair and your life is over, right? So, especially if you're, you know, not want to be embarrassed. But, but more than likely, you have faith you're going to sit down, it's going to hold you up. You have faith when you flip the light switch on. You have faith when you put your keys in the car that you're going to turn it on and it's going to start. And if it doesn't, you call Brother Steele, amen, and he'll help you out. Uh, but, but you understand what I'm talking about. It, it, there's an element of faith to what we believe. It is not, as Brother Tim mentioned a couple months ago, it is not blind faith. It's not just, oh, I just believe it. There is substance to what we believe from the Bible. 
All right, and you say, what do you, what do you mean by substance? Well, there's historical value in the Bible. There's history that records for us a man named, a man, listen to me, a man, not just a, a, a supernatural being that floated from outer space, but a man named Jesus Christ that lived on this earth and walked on this earth and for 33 and a half years never sinned. And when he died, before he died, he said, hey, you can put me down there, but just know I'm not paying rent because three days later I'm coming up. You can, I'll lay my life down, but I'm going to take it back up again. And you say, what is that? That's prophecy. And then after that, he rises from the dead. You say, what is that? That is a man that is not just a man. All right. That is a man that is also God. Look at first Timothy chapter three, first Timothy chapter three. And uh, if someone were to say to me, uh, pastor, is it necessary to believe this uh, to be a Christian? I would say this. When I got saved, I didn't know Jesus Christ. I, I could not define for you the divinity of Jesus Christ. Here's what I knew. I was lost. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was going to hell. I knew God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. And I believed because his resurrection from the dead that he could save me. And I trusted him as my savior. I didn't know all this stuff. But I'm going to tell you this. If you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't ignore what the Bible says. You can't pick and choose what you like. You can't say like, well, I like the, it's, it's kind of like the folks that say, you know, judge not lest you be not judged. Let me ask you a question. Some of you have gotten offended by things I've said from the pulpit and you judge me for it. You don't have to raise your hand. All right, Miss T's like, right here, right here. All right. Well, well, <laughs> sister, you aren't the only one. Trust me, you're the, the only honest one in the room. But, uh, but, but, but you understand what I'm saying. And, and you, say, you, know, you say, what was that? That was a judgment on something that I said. Because you didn't like what I said when I judged somebody else. And so you understand, we're, we're constantly judging things. It's a matter of judging righteous judgment. And, and that's what Jesus Christ says. But, but yeah, it's funny. People go, judge not, let's be not judged. And they'll throw that verse out and they'll throw God to love the world. They like that verse. But then we get to John chapter 8. Now look, I wouldn't do this. I would not look at a lost person and go, ye are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. But he did. And they say, who is that? That's a man that has confidence because he knows that he's obeying his heavenly father. It's not just a matter of him being God and therefore everything works out in his life. He lived the human experience and had to resist temptation. Not only that, he had to, as the Bible says in Hebrews, he had to learn obedience. The father had an exact plan for his life. He wasn't calling the shots. He wasn't the one just saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. We look at Jesus Christ sometimes like, you know, he's the, mas- he's the master because he was submitted to the Father's plan. You don't become a master by being your own authority. You don't grow by being your authority. You grow by submitting to the authority God's placed in your life. You know why a lost man won't get saved? Because I'm good enough the way I am. And I refuse to submit to the authority and righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's why they won't get saved. They might say, well, it's because I don't understand the God of the Bible and this and that. But the real issue is an issue of righteousness and an issue of submitting to authority. And Jesus Christ did that. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16. And without controversy, in other words, you can debate if you want to, but there's really no debate in God's eyes. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the what? So you know what that means? That means you're dealing with the God man. You're dealing with, uh, dare I say it, Superman, <laughs> all right? Comes from outer space and comes through a, a human birth and uh, obviously uh, uh, does not uh, give in to the temptation uh, into the kryptonite, if you will, and, and uh, lives a sinless life and dies and is buried, but doesn't stay down. He rises up. 
And, uh, but I want you to understand, Jesus Christ was hungry. You ever get hungry? Some of you are like, every Sunday around 1230 when I think you should be done. <laughs> he was hungry. All right, can I say this? He wept. Shortest verse in your Bible, but it's very powerful. Jesus wept. Shows his humanity. By the way, if you know that story very well, which we'll get there in John 11, that comes after Martha meets him and says, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then Mary runs out and goes, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And as he's walking to, uh, over to the, makes his way to the graveside, and the people are mourning and they're grieving, he is overwhelmed with grief, and the Bible says he wept. Now, let me just say this. Four days earlier, he found out that his friend was dead. You don't read about the weeping, but then he sees it. It's almost like, man, he's immersed in the human experience, and he's seeing the sorrow. Now, look, he knows as God, uh, uh, the, the God man, he has power to raise him from the dead, and he does that just moments later. And yet in that moment, what does he do? He expresses what we call today empathy. Weep with them that weep and rejoice with them that rejoice. You want to be like Jesus Christ? Learn to be like that. When someone's weeping, don't just tell them, get over it. You got that. You know, just sometimes it's okay to weep with somebody. And, and you know what? It's sometimes it's okay to rejoice with somebody. You, uh, you ever, ever see someone at church get blessed financially? And you're like, huh. <laughs> you know, God gives them a new house. God gives them a new car. You know, uh, they get a promotion at work. You're like, huh. I wonder what they're doing to cut corners, huh? How come they got that? Maybe rejoice with them. Maybe be excited for them. Uh, you say, why? That's what Jesus, he was, he, you know what he did? He lived the human experience. Can I say this? He paid his taxes. I got one amen. <laughs> Jesus wept, amen, brother, amen. Jesus was hungry. That's right. You tell him. Jesus paid taxes. Well, it's like, why did he do that? Well, you know why he did that? Look at Romans 13. Look at Romans 13. Now, I, don't like, I don't like the bureaucratic socialist nonsense that's going on in our country. I don't like it. But until they tell me to do something against the word of God, you know what I'm supposed to do? Follow it. Look at Romans 13, and look, if you would, at verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. You know, I keep seeing in Jesus Christ as a man. He submitted himself to the authority, first off, of God his Father. And it wasn't until which time human authority told him to go against his Father's will that he spoke against them. Learn that lesson. Just because you don't like your boss doesn't mean you ought to... Have you prayed about it? You ever pray for your boss? No? Yeah, it's real quiet. Uh, you know, uh, there's uh, you get pulled over. Oh, you trying to meet your quota? <laughs> license and registration, man. Let me tell you, I'll look for your license, my license right now, but I, I'll tell you what, let me see if I can find a donut first. <laughs> That's fine, ma'am, license. Now, now look, let, let me tell you something. Um, I realize, just like in any profession, there are people that don't use their authority the right way. Uh, but I'm going to tell you right now, by and large, if you learn to follow authority, you'll get ahead in life. It's just the way it works. You know why some people are perpetually every six months in a different job? Because the boss was an idiot, because nobody, you know, thought, nobody knew how smart I was, and no one recognized my great ideas, and that company culture is toxic. And Okay, but every six months, every company you go to, is that, you ever maybe think maybe it's not them? Um, Jesus Christ submitted authority. Look at uh, Romans 13.1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. 
for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are what? I don't like it. I don't like it at all. You can talk about stolen elections, and you have the freedom to do that. I'm not saying you can or you shouldn't. Uh, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, uh, you, you know, as a citizen, as an American, as a Christian, furthermore, you have a responsibility to be an example to people around you. doesn't mean you can't speak out against things that aren't right. I didn't say that. I'm not trying to muzzle your free speech. I'm simply saying when it comes to submission to authority, uh, you know what you ought to do? Learn to say, you know what? I'm going to do it because Jesus Christ did it. And I want to be more like him. He paid his taxes. Uh, you, know what, you know what happens when uh, uh, Pontius Pilate is standing right in front of Jesus Christ? You know what Pontius Pilate says? What is truth? Truth's right in front of you. You know what he does? After he talks to Jesus Christ, he takes him out to the crowds of people. And you know what he says? Behold, not behold the Lord. He says, behold the man. When you start getting down in the dumps as a Christian, you go, God just doesn't understand what I'm going through. You need to take a step back and remember this. He's been through what you've been through. Can I point out he's rejected by his friends? Can I point out he's rejected by those he was called to minister unto? Some of you want to get into ministry. Let me tell you what it's like. It's like loving people and knowing that in six months to a year, they could either be gone or think that you're the devil. I've had people come to our church and like, man, that, you know, preacher was the devil. And I'm like, hey, man, take it easy. You know, like, don't, don't, you know, and they got problems with their spouse and you try to help them out. And then a year later, they're gone. They're calling you the devil. What'd you do? You poured yourself into them. Well, was it worth it, preacher? It was because I was doing what God asked me to do. And the story's not over. They're still breathing. If they're still breathing, there's a chance they can make it right. So what my, my point is this, though. Jesus Christ was betrayed by one of his closest. You ever been betrayed by a friend? You ever betray anybody? It's a whole lot easier to point out when someone betrays you, isn't it? <laughs> I've been betrayed. Anybody? You ever betray anybody? Oh, man, I got to think about that. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, so all the betrayers must be out there, I guess. You know what you're doing? You're living a human experience. And you're in a sin-cursed world. And Jesus Christ lived that very same thing. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. You know what the Bible says in Hebrews? It says that we can draw nigh, we can, we can come boldly unto the throne of grace, which is such a blessing. You know why you can do that? Because His humanity and His divinity work together to bring you salvation. That's why. 1 Timothy chapter 2, look if you would at verse Number five, for there's one God and one mediator. There's no mediatrix. That's a female mediator. All right. There's no Mary doesn't doesn't uh, place or show in this situation. Now, I'm not saying that to, you know, I feel I get tired of the disclaimers because people are so thin skinned today. But but it's funny because you'll watch comedy that drops F-bombs and makes fun of God and you won't think twice about it. A preacher mentions that another religion may not be sound in their doctrine. You go, oh, who does he think? I don't think I'm anybody. You know who I think I am? Someone who grew up in a religion that didn't give him the truth. Okay? Uh, look at First Timothy chapter 2. Look at you would at verse 5. There's one God and one mediator between God and men. The what? You know why he can stand on your behalf before the Father? Because he went through it. The difference between you and him is he passed with flying colors and you and I can't. 
Uh, but I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to remember, as you go back, look at uh, John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we're talking about the humanity of Jesus Christ, an important lesson to get a hold of. He is all man and yet all God. Uh, John chapter 4. And notice, if you would, in verse 6, let me point this out to you. The Bible says, uh, Jesus, therefore, verse 6, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. Uh, you know what that shows me? He got tired. Uh, he got tired. I mean, there in the garden, uh, after they've been up and they've been uh, doing the, the Last Supper and the Passover feast and all, preparing for all that, and uh, they're in the, the garden, and Jesus goes to pray with his, uh, a few of the disciples, and we kind of come down to them and go, I can't believe they didn't stay awake. Um, I have a feeling you probably would have fallen asleep too. After you're exhausted, you've been emotionally spent, there's been conversation about someone betraying the master, all this stuff, and then you go to a place, come on guys, don't look at, don't look at the disciples that way. You ever get up and try to pray in the morning, and then 30 minutes later you're going to puddle a drool? And you're like, oh, and then bless the dog, and bless the, you know, and, and you don't even know where you're praying. Uh, but you, you ever been there before? Well, cut these guys a little bit slack, but you know what Jesus Christ did? He pressed on. He pushed through the tired. I, I think the reason why a lot of Christians don't get the most out of Christian life is because when it's hard, that's when they quit, and that's really when it gets good. But he knows, he knows to instruct us because he's been there, Right? Uh, look, if you would, at uh, John 4 and look at, at verse number 10. This is after, the, well, good look at verse 9. Then said the woman of Samaria to him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? There's that cultural dispute, if you will. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the, what? Gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou, would have, uh, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living Water. I want to talk about that gift of God, that gift of God. Now, we know from Romans chapter 6, uh, in verse 23, he says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We know the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Verse 9, It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Um, but, but also, it talks about ordination, the, the gift of ministry, and it calls it the gift of God. Now, here's the, here's the idea. Uh, whether we're talking about salvation or ordination, here's what I can tell you. It comes from God, and it is something you can't buy. It has to be given to you, and you must receive it. All right? So in the case of salvation, you present the, the gospel to a sinner, and they can accept it or they can reject it, because that's what a gift is. A gift can be received or rejected. In the case of ordination, a man comes up, and the, the pastor, maybe some elders, lay their hands on a man, and they go, we want to ordain you in the name of the Lord. Now, if that man gets up and says, I don't want it, you can't force, can't pin the guy down, and go, you're going to take it, you know? The, 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 it's something that, that's a free will thing. And so he's saying to this lady, look, uh, you're, you, I asked you for water. We're talking about all this stuff. I'm laying out for you something better than that. I'm laying out for you a particular gift uh, called the gift of God. Now, you know, the problem is she's stuck in the realm of the physical. And the Lord is trying to get her into the realm of the spiritual. Uh, let me give you an example of that. You, you walk up to somebody, Brother Dennis, and you go, are you saved? And they go, oh yeah, man. One time I was in a car wreck, and uh, the car was on fire, and I couldn't get the seatbelt undone. And right then, you know, the fireman came in and, with the jaws of life, and they cut the door, and they pull, and God saved me that day. Now, you know what they're thinking? They're thinking about the physical. Now, you shouldn't go, you idiot, that's not what I meant. Don't answer that way. 
you know, the answer is, is praise God. I'm glad you made it through that. God did that for a particular reason. He did that so you could get saved. Now, now let me ask you again. If you died today, would you be in heaven or hell? Because the answer you just gave me told me about how God saved you physically. I'm talking about you being saved spiritually. Now, the problem is most people, that's where their mind is at. All right? Uh, you, we don't have to go back to Remember in the last chapter, Jesus says he must be born again. What does Nicodemus say? He says, can a man be born you know, a second time? Can, can he go into his mother's womb a second time and be born? And the Lord's like, you're not getting it. This is not a physical transaction. It is a spiritual one. Uh, look at Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians 2. Let me give you an example of a spiritual operation that takes place at the moment of salvation. It is not physical in nature at all. Now, keep in mind this. There is heavy, heavy emphasis in the Old Testament on the physical. Uh, some of you may remember, if you read through Leviticus, it'll say things like this. The soul that toucheth any unclean thing, that soul shall be unclean. Now, you don't think that way as a New Testament, or you shouldn't think that way as a New Testament Christian. Yet when you touch something in the flesh, and there are some things that Christians touch, and Christians are a part of that they shouldn't be, when you touch something in the flesh, thank God it doesn't touch your soul. All right? It, it doesn't affect the eternal you. All right? So, but, but, but back then it was different because it was all connected. There was no new birth yet presented. There was no New Testament salvation. There was no operation of God. Look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2. And look, if you would, at verse 10. And ye are complete in Him. There's a huge issue today when it comes uh, to identity. Um, and a lot of young people questioning. Now, here's what's weird. If a kid is in the jungle, um, there's no trans kids in the jungle. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm really not. You have to be educated. In it. It's something that's presented to someone. It's not natural or biological. Um, I don't want to get into that. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. And if you have a problem with that, can I just remind you, he that made them made them male and female. If you have an argument about that, it's not with me, it's with God. He made us male and female. God does not make mistakes. Now, look, let's be honest. If we're going to canvas uh, through the room here, how many of you were confused during your teenage years? Maybe not about that, but you didn't like your body, didn't like the way you looked, didn't like the way you felt, didn't like, you just didn't like life. Anybody at all, right? So, so now you've got a whole generation when they feel that way and they have that anxiety and they say, I think I might be X or I might be Y. Well, then let's just go ahead and usher that in. You know why I'm going to tell you right now? It's complete hypocrisy. If a female athlete says, I want testosterone to compete with the guys, they say, that's not healthy for you. If she says, I think I am a man, they go, let's inject you. Common sense. Think about this. All right, if, 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 so, so if I, let's flip it around, all right? When it comes to the other side, the, the idea is still the same. The point is this, is that what you're dealing with is a, is a crisis of identity. When you remove the foundation, for example, of a mom and a dad, a husband and a wife, and children sitting around the table, and I understand some didn't have the fortune of having that, but I'm saying when society says, and some of you that didn't have it, you would at least recognize and say, that's what I wanted, Right? But, but society's saying you don't need that. You don't need a family. They're all our kids. Until they're going to college, you pay them. I love it when some politician gets up, they're all our kids. Would you want to pay their bills? Yeah. Right. I just got a bill from the hospital. You want to, hey, hey, you, uh, Senator so and so, you want to pay my kids' bill? I didn't think so. They're not your kids, they're my kids, right? 
And, and so when it comes to this stuff, though, you have to understand that there's an identity crisis going on. And, and listen, this happens with Christians, too. You know what Christians do? You have an identity crisis. Maybe it's not in the trans area. Maybe it's not sexual and all that stuff. Maybe it's with this. My identity that I identify with more than anything else is my job. My job will dictate where I move, what I think, what I do. What it's not Christ first. It's your job. It's an issue of identity, right? So, so listen, um, if you've got a dad that's sitting back and mom's doing everything when it comes to raising the children, you know what the problem is? There's an identity crisis. Dad, you need to wake up. God puts you in that position for a reason, and it's a blessing. Um, but but you, the issue is identity. Uh, you are complete in him. You don't need to be, I don't, you know, for the young people, you got to tell them these days, hey, you don't have to have the perfect lips, girls, and the perfect hips, and the perfect legs, and the perfect this, and the perfect that, and look like the Instagram model that took three hours to get ready, by the way, all right? You don't, have to, you don't need all that. You are complete in him, all right? A woman has a baby, you know, she starts, she starts judging herself uh, next to someone that's never had a baby, and she says, well, she's skinnier than I am. Well, she also hasn't had a baby. Uh, you, you see, it was that pressure, pressure pre- to a de- your identity's not in your looks. Your identity's not in your job if you're saved. Your identity's not even kind of, dare I say it, dare I say it, in a room full of people who may feel a little bit differently. Your identity's not even in your family as much as it is in Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting uh, that uh, some people say, well, you know, if you believe the Bible, then you're in a cult. No, you're not in a cult. You, it, it opens your mind. It frees you from the rest of the garbage out there. You're always going to be a servant to something. The question is, what will you serve? And if you're a child of God and you believe this book, your identity is first and foremost in him. The Bible says, look here, verse number uh, 10, you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Watch this. And whom also ye are circumcised. Now, before I read the rest of this, let me just point out to you, in Colossians 1, verse 2, it says to the saints. It doesn't say to the men. This is men and women. So the circumcision you're about to read about is not physical. Watch. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. You say, why is it without hands? It's spiritual in nature. Only God could do it. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. All right, now uh, look, if you would, at uh, the next verse. Buried with him in baptism. Now look, the same problem people have uh, uh, when you present the gospel, some Christians have when they read their Bibles. Just because it says baptism doesn't mean it's, it's physical. Sometimes it's spiritual in nature, and this one absolutely is. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the what? Operation, almost like a surgery, almost like a circumcision, and yet it's not made with hands. It's spiritual in nature. So that now that you're saved, the things that you do in the flesh don't touch the eternal you. Aren't you glad for that? Now, now, you can get this and thank God for that on the New Testament side, but understand when Jesus is dealing with this woman no differently, go back to John, when Jesus is dealing with Nicodemus in chapter 3, the problem is the same. They're thinking physical. Why? Because everything's about a physical kingdom and a physical nation and physical land and physical gifts and a physical priesthood and a physical temple. You're in the New Testament side of things. Everything's spiritual. It moves. And so he's bringing this, uh, uh, this presentation to her, and she's not getting it. Look at John chapter 4. Uh, he's talking to her about the gift of God. He talks to her about living water, right? Uh, John chapter 4, look if you would at verse number uh, 10, uh, verse 11. The woman said to him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. 
from whence then hast thou that living water? And then she starts going off into like this stuff again about uh, Jacob and Israel and Samaria. And you can just tell she's not there yet. You ever talk with someone and tell they're just not there yet? Can you remember when you just weren't there yet? You ever feel like sometimes in church, pastor says something, you're like, I don't get what he's talking about. But, but over time, as the Lord can, you continue to grow in your walk with the Lord, you go, I got it. Well, the more that you talk to Jesus, get the lesson, Christian. The more you talk to Jesus, the more you're going to get it. Amen. You know, if Jesus had walked away right there, she would never have understood. He kept the conversation going. He just kept it moving forward. All right, uh, notice here in verse 12, Out thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. It, it's, it's like she's stuck and she can't get out of first gear. And the Lord's trying to bring her beyond that. Look at verse uh, 13. Jesus said unto her, Jesus answered and said unto her, by, by the way, he doesn't address all the questions. You ever notice that? Look at the question in verse number 12. Art thou greater than our father? Absolutely he's greater than your father Jacob. Yes. Art thou greater than... By the way, uh, a a Jew would take a little exception to that because they would look at the Samaritans as those that should not lay claim to the stake of Jacob being their father. He he doesn't even get into that. He he goes right past that and sticks with what matters. Look at verse 13. Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into what? Look at John chapter 7. Look at John 7. Can I, can I remind you one more time? Don't take the bait. Just because someone, uh, you're presenting the gospel to someone and they, they're hung up on certain things, doesn't mean you have to answer every question. Find a way to get to the issue. Uh, the issue at hand is a spiritual and eternal issue. It's not about all these other arguments. Uh, and so she's talking about the well, and she's talking about her father Jacob, and, and you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. He's like, do you want this living water or not? Look at John 7, John 7, verse number 37. And by the way, this living water is connected with the gift of God, and it's connected with the Spirit of God. That's why I have that written on the board. Look at John 7, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. You know what he did? He basically publicly preached. The next time you are, you know, preaching out in public, we will do this as a church starting in the summertime, and uh, someone will come by and say, "Go back to church," you know. Uh, just keep in mind, Jesus did this. Jesus went where the people were at and he preached to them. Uh, this is not a, a, a new concept. The problem, and if you read it, see, this is the problem. People don't read about church history, but if you read about church history and our spiritual forefathers, you know what all of them did? They all preached in public. You say, why? The apostles preached in public. Jesus, why would you think the only place to preach the gospel is in a building? Whoever gave you that idea? I can tell you this, it wasn't the Lord. It wasn't the Bible. Jesus stood up and he cried saying, uh, what does he say here? This is interesting. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Say you're at a big big feast and you just got up and randomly shouted that out. That would get attention. Hey, who's thirsty in here? If you're thirsty, come to me and I'll give you a drink. Unless that guy is either crazy or he's lying or he is who he thinks he is, he is actually the son of God. Uh, Listen, if he's not who he said he was, he'd be a liar, he's crazy. If he's who he said he was, he can quench your eternal and spiritual thirst. Look at verse 38, look what he says. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. 
But then in verse 39, it, it, it gives you kind of some insight that they didn't have in that moment. Look what it says. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should, future tense, receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Look at Acts chapter 1 to see what we're talking about here. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. You know what you have inside of you now that you're saved? You have life. And it's flowing from inside. You know what, it want, you know what the Lord wants to do? The Lord wants to flow that life out of you. You know what some Christians do? They build spiritual dams in their life. And they hold back what God wants to pour out onto this world. Don't do that. You know what we're challenging you to track today in the month of May? You know what we're challenging you to do all these things? To let you understand that there's a treasure inside of you. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And, and I'm going to say something. I want to be careful. I may have mentioned this last week. I, I think one of the most dangerous positions to be in in the church is a third or fourth generation Christian kid. Because you just grow up around it, you take it for granted, you don't think twice about it, you got saved young, you got the testimony that's the right testimony, you get saved young, uh, 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 saved from a lot of garbage in this world, but because of that, you take it for granted. And you don't, you don't interact with the world like someone that had been lost and got saved as an adult would interact with the world and go, man, I, knew where, I, know, I can see it in their eyes, I know where they're at. Do you realize you can have that without living all the garbage, you understand that? It's called spiritual discernment. Jesus Christ had it, and he never sinned. He looked at this woman and knew this woman's different, and I can help her. All right, look at uh, Acts chapter 1, talking about that, the, the waiting for the Spirit of God. They had not received the Spirit of God because Jesus was not yet glorified. That's a reference to his resurrection. Look at John, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. But ye shall receive power, power, like a force from within, Right? That river of living water flowing from within you. Uh, you shall receive power after that the what? The Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now, thank God, you don't have to wait for him today. They were waiting for him back then because he had not yet been given to the believers. Aren't you glad he's inside of you? That, you know what that tells me? That even at times when you feel spiritually dry and like you're going through a spiritual drought, if you could just learn to get tapped back in to what's inside of you... <laughs> It's not some external thing that you need. Christians, whenever they get back, it's like, I got to do this other thing. It, the Lord is inside of you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if you could learn to align yourself with that identity once again, things would start to, listen to me, flow as they ought to. All right, now listen, we've got every once in a while, we've had to give our baby Olivia some suppositories to get things moving. And I think every once in a while, Christians need spiritual suppositories <laughs> to get things moving, all right? And you say, what do you mean by that? Well, what, ignore the, the, the baby and the physical. Spiritually speaking, sometimes you get stuck. And I would say this. I think even though you're not lost, you kind of get like this woman. Go back to John 4. And all you can see and all you can look at and all you hear is physical. It's about your job, it's about the bill, it's about advancing, it's about the rent, it's about the, the house, it's about the mortgage, it's about getting a house in, in a very insane market, it's about, you know, this, it's about, it's about the hospital, it's about the hospital bill, it's about the health problem. These are real issues of life, I'm not trivializing them. But if you're not careful, you will look at everything in life as if this is how it's supposed, this is not how it's going to be forever, guys. This is a blip on the radar. This is just a moment that's passing in time. We'll be in glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And the only thing that's going to matter in eternity are the things that you did that had eternal weight. 
John chapter 4, this woman cannot see that. She is stuck in the physical. By the way, I'll tell you another funny story. Uh, you, you may remember Hagar uh, when she's kicked out of the house. Now, one time she runs away and has to go back. Well, then she's kicked out of the house, and uh, she's got a bottle. And the Bible speaks of this, and it says, uh, when, the water, uh, when the bottle was spent, when the bottle was spent, and I thought about that a lot. I've never preached on it, but I thought about it. When you run out of the resources that you can carry with you, do you know what's left? Once you're tapped out, you know what's left? God. God. And this woman has spent everything she had, and she cries out, and she puts her son over in the corner, and she's like, I can't even watch him die. He's going to die. And she's just curled up in a ball in the fetal position, crying out to God. You know what's crazy about that whole story? There was a well right there, and she couldn't see it. Now, there's a lesson in that. Sometimes what you need is standing right in front of you, and you can't see it. Sometimes what you need is standing right... I'm sorry, that was just a personal moment for me and my wife. Okay, all right. Right in front of you. In, in your walk with the Lord, though, seriously, you know, you know what happens? Sometimes you get dry, and you ignore the spiritual, and Bible reading is dry and boring, and church is a chore, and nothing's aligning, and stupid track the day and month of May here, to, and just you're going through the motions, you know, and you're doing what you have to do, but you're not excited, and you're not enjoying the Christian life. Things aren't flowing. Are you with me? And, and the reason for that is simply this, and I, I say this respectfully and graciously, but when you, all you do is look at the physical, you're going to become very selfish. And once you become selfish, all you can think about is what you don't have and what you need. And you completely ignore. You know what's funny about this whole entire story? And we're going to get to it eventually. We'll get to the end of it. But G- eventually. <laughs> but, but Jesus goes there and he's tired and thirsty. Question, does he ever get water? If you don't know, let me answer the question. Spoiler alert, No. You know what he did? He helped somebody else. Matter of fact, his disciples show up and they're like, aren't you hungry? Can we give you a, you know, a Big Mac? Is there something that you need? I know some of you that like to eat healthy thought I just committed blasphemy by re- <laughs> recommending that Jesus would eat a Big Mac. God help you know, that, that situation in your mind mentally. So, look, 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 look. Let me just throw this out there. All right, I know some of you are going to have a hard time with this. I'm not here to tell you that Jesus would have been eating Cheetos and Fritos and whatever else. But he's also kind of an ordinary man. He probably would not be at uh, the kale juice bar. Okay? I'm just throwing that out there. Because some of you need to hear that. Because some of you think you're spiritual because of what you put in your body. You're not spiritual because of what you put in. You're spiritual about what comes out. Uh, but, but notice this woman gets everything she needed out of life by meeting Jesus Christ, and he never got a drop to drink. Now, look at something. Look, we're going to get to it later, but I want to show you this real quick. Uh, John chapter 4, and look down, if you would, at uh, oh, verse number 31. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. Man, Lord, we just went to Chick-fil-A. They had a sale. They had chicken biscuits. They had, you know, some of you like, blasphemy. Listen, if there was chicken that God would eat, it would be Chick-fil-A. <laughs> They're closed on Sunday, all right? But anyways... 
he says this. He said to them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And you know what the disciples, this is hilarious. The ones that are walking with Jesus Christ, the ones that know the scriptures, the ones that know to rightly divide, dispensations, and kingdom of God, and kingdom of heaven, and I learned all this stuff on YouTube. It's amazing. It's so cool. And all that stuff. And you know what they do? Who, who fed him when we were gone? You know what they're doing? The same thing she did. Thinking about the physical when they should be thinking about the spiritual. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, the opportunity to look at the Gospel of John and how much is in there. Thank you for the story of this woman at the well. Lord, so much to learn from her life. We're not even halfway through it yet. Uh, can't wait to get to the rest of it. Lord, thank you for a church family that loves your book and Lord, wants to walk with you and wants to know you. And Lord, I, I'm confident there are times that things that we look at in the scriptures, they're not pleasant to the flesh. Lord, they're things that challenge us, myself included, Lord. Things that challenge ideology and challenge our mindset and challenge our, our very own spirits and Lord, I think you intended it to be that way. Lord, I pray that your people would leave today, Lord, well-fed from the Word of God. Thank you for the Sunday school hour. We look forward to the hour to come. Lord, we love you, and thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that the kids would have learned something down there. Uh, be with our fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.